All right, let's uh, make our way back to our seats this morning. Let's make our way back to our seats. All right, good morning. Good morning to those of you here in person at Coastline, and then also good morning to those of you online. I know we just went offline, and I just want you guys to know those of you that are watching, that was all my fault. I, I did something wrong. So anyways, hopefully we're, we're back online, right? So, all right. So anyways, apologies. I accidentally pressed a button I shouldn't have, and everything went black. So anyways, those of you here in person, don't worry about it. Okay, so real quick, before we get into um, God's Word this morning, we have a few announcements for you guys, and these announcements are obviously really important, and so... Um, we're going to have a few people come up and share with you guys about what's going on. So first announcement is Pastor Sam here. Is Pastor Samuel here? All right, we'll, we'll, we'll pass. Oh, there he is. So Pastor Sam's going to come up and talk to you guys about VBS. So let's give it up for Pastor Sam real quick. All right. Let me get my, my spill real quick. So VBS, uh, I know a lot of you parents are or have been uh, already plugged in, helping out, uh, getting us um, get ready for VBS. So thank you for that. But if you don't know, we're having VBS, Vacation Bible School, and it's coming up on Wednesday to Friday, uh, August 4th to the 6th. Um, so not this week, but the week after. Uh, it's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, I think there's going to be like a Tuesday night. So we're going to give you guys like the the um, the link so you guys can go and do VBS from home. But when you come on Wednesday, there's going to be uh, a lot of kids here. It's going to be a lot of parents. We're going to have three different stations uh, where we're going to do first an intro, get everyone together, get everyone excited. We'll do some songs and then uh, do a craft. We're going to do a Bible story and we're going to do some other fun activities. So I really, really hope if you have kids, that you can register them so they can come and join us for VBS. Anyone excited for VBS? I'm excited because I know a lot of churches are kind of uh, closing uh, VBS simply because of, of the pandemic. And so we're going to try to do our best effort to, to make it happen in a very safe way as well. Uh, but I'm excited. I hope you are too. Uh, I do want to ask you, if you're going to register your kids, register them today. What's going to happen, we're going to be ordering shirts for our kids so if you want the right size for your kid, uh, register them by the end of today. Uh, I think the orders are going uh, on tomorrow or early this week. And so uh, we're still going to be ordering uh, additional shirts in case we need some more. Um, but if you do want the right shirt, I know sometimes my daughter complains to me sometimes when I get the wrong sizes. So uh, yeah, just an FYI, try to register them today. Uh, and if you're not involved, um, I do want you to pray with us. I do want you to pray for the kids that are going to come, for the kids that maybe are not, um, you know, right now the parents are thinking about it, or maybe some of you guys have friends who are going to be, who you're going to be inviting, for those hearts to be ready to receive as well. Uh, this is a great opportunity to, uh, to outreach, but also just for our kids to grow. Amen? So I'm going to pray. I want you to join me this morning. Um, but, uh, but I do want to encourage you to do it from home as well. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to, to do VVS, God. Uh, we're excited, the, the ones who uh, are going to be helping out. I know we have different people that are, gonna, that are already helping out with, uh, with setting up the decorations, God, uh, with the Bible stories, with the crafts, God, uh, with, the, with the games, Lord, <laughs> Father, you have ordained this VBS, and you have ordained already the hearts of the kids who are going to be there uh, throughout these days. And so I pray, Lord, uh, that you equip us, God, to do it all into your will. Uh, not only that, Lord, but that you bring the people who need to hear your message, Lord, the message of, of the love that only comes from you. And so we thank you in advance for what you're going to do, and we pray that you um, take control, God, of, of the whole VBS. And so we love you, and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you guys soon.
All right. Now, Anthony is going to come up and talk about Wednesday evening. Check, check. Cool. Awesome. Well, how's everyone doing? Good? Everyone's good, good. You know, I think one of the cool things about a church that I see that is thriving is, is our ways in which we are ministering to the community and, and getting out there and growing. And, and I think VBS, as, as Pastor Sam has said, is one of the best ways to uh, invite someone, invite families who might not otherwise come to church. And I love uh, looking and, and some of the other uh, VBSs that we've seen are, you know, families from the neighborhood that might not otherwise come to church. This is the best uh, opportunity to invite someone and, and have their kids learn about Jesus. And so uh, I can't encourage you enough. And I'm a little bit biased. I have four kids, so I want all my kids to know about Jesus. So uh, that being said, I'm here to remind you guys of uh, the Know and Grow groups coming up this Wednesday. And actually, this is our third installment and then we're going to take a short break, and we're going to continue again in August. Uh, but we've had a blast so far. The first one we did was, uh, what is a Christian? Uh, and, you know, maybe that's a question. You're like, I already know. I already know the answer to that. Then great. That's cool. Then the second one, uh, last week we had our brother Arlen over in the back over here, uh, and he was sharing on what is the gospel. And so this week I will be sharing on what is the Bible. You guys have your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles. Put your Bibles up. Very cool. And no shame if your Bible is on your phone app. I know some pastors are like, I like to hear the sound of pages turning, but it's like, dude, we got a bunch of millennials. People use their uh, phones and their, and their apps. And honestly, my encouragement to you is uh, the Bible that you get into the most, that is the best one. So if it's on your phone, no shame. If, it's, if you like you know, tangible things, that's great too. But uh, that's happening this Wednesday at 7 uh, p.m. And it'll just be a great opportunity to find out really what is this thing that we take with us to church on Sundays? What is this thing that ideally you guys are getting into on a daily basis, de developing really healthy rhythms uh, of knowing who God is? You know, uh, Some of the things that we, we know about the Bible, right, is written over what? 1500 year span. Did you guys know that there are over 40 different authors in this Bible? And so those are a few of the things that we're going to tackle this Wednesday, and I can't encourage you enough uh, to be a part of that. Uh, and if you know someone that, uh, you know, is unchurched or has never been to, uh, you know, a, a Bible study or a class like that, I encourage you to come on out. It's completely free. Uh, and last time we had cactus coolers afterward, which is a nice, uh, amen, nice little treat, whatever, whatever will bring you here. So that being said, so mark that in your calendar. But uh, this week is a little bit of a special week because we have a little bit of a double hitter. So not only is Wednesday our uh, Know and Grow, part of our grow groups here that we're doing at Calvary Chapel Coastline, but we also have our marriage group happening this Friday uh, called Growing Together. I'm going to invite my beautiful wife to come on up. Let's give her a hand. Awesome. So, uh, Stace, um, how are you? Good. Good. Okay. Um, let me ask you. A, very cool. Happy to, happy to be invited up okay. to join. Cool, cool. Okay, don't talk too much. Okay, so um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right, 1102, okay. So we had uh, an awesome uh, marriage ministry grow group thing. Uh, how long ago was that? Okay, so that was uh, three weeks ago. We had a marriage grow group, our first one. It was really cool. Uh, what we did was illustrate our love story, and then um, we got up and we shared them to each other. So it was lots of laughter, some interesting facts like, Ooh, did not know that about that cute couple. Um, and just the dynamics, just getting comfortable with each other. Uh, we also heard from Randolph, Pastor Randolph and Christina about the structure of marriage, uh, biblical structure. So it was informative. It helped us to understand, like, what does the Bible say about how your household should look with the husband and wife? Um, and it says, um, James one twenty two, be doers and not just hearers of the word. So, um, you know, not based on what you grew up seeing, which a lot of us based on, or um, who makes the more, who makes money and brings home money, who does more around the house and this and that, but more so what God's word says about the husband and the wife and the dynamics of the home. So that was a serious part, but then we also had a lot of laughter and fun um, a couple weeks ago on that Friday. Okay, yes. Okay, so next transition that we worked on so well is, so what are we going to be doing this coming Friday? Woohoo! Great. I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, yeah, so this week, uh, the theme really is instead of, uh, you know, um, what is it? You're re not renewing. Oh, instead of renewing your vows, which some couples do, we're going to be reviewing our vows. So we have a, an awesome opportunity. We're going to have uh, from Calvary Chapel South Bay, Pastor Pat Shore and his wife Mary. Uh, they're going to come Friday and they're going to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what are, the, what are the things that you had promised or you had vowed to do uh, with your with your partner, Mike, you getting something on the same? Oh, oh. 
Okay. Uh, so it's going to be really cool. I think it's going to be a really sweet time. And, and I think you have something with you that you okay. wanted to uh, share. Well, it wouldn't be a surprise, but I happen to have my vows right here because they were in a frame <laughs> that we stored. We're, we're going to be married nine years this year, but um, I have them in the frame and I took them out. Okay. So it's not a requirement to bring your vows, by the way, or even really remember them off the top of your head, but I happen to have mine on index cards. Okay. So here we go. So I'm just going to read you a line for fun. Okay. I vow. This is what I said at our wedding, guys, if you're there. Okay. I vow to fit all my clothes in with your shoe museum, to cook edible food for you and keep you company on the phone while you commute, except you work from home now, to follow your lead and not be the boss, <clears throat> to speak encouragement over you. Okay. See, it's only two pages. Okay. You know, I'm a planner. I like to plan. Okay. Does anyone remember this line? You're the best plan that I didn't plan. Cue the tears. Okay, 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 that's enough. Okay, but his are very spiritual and mine are silly. Okay, so do you want to share some of yours? I'm not. I'm not going to share mine. You'll have to come this Friday to find out all about it. So this Friday, 7 p.m., there will be children's ministry provided. So uh, if you have kids, which we love kids, bring them. There will be no excuse for you uh, to not be a part of this Friday. So uh, with that, if you have any questions, please see Pastor Randolph or any of the, uh, the leadership, and we would love to see you there Wednesday or Friday. Okay, mark your calendars. God bless you guys. Let's welcome up Pastor Randolph as he comes to share the word. All right, cool. All right. 18 pages front and back, right, Stacey? So some of you guys might understand that joke, but. All right. Um, real quick, all the things that Sam and Stacey and Anthony talked about, you guys can also go on to our website just to let you guys know. If you guys forget what they said or need more information, everything is on our website. So um, you guys can go on there, register for BBS. You can go on there, find out more about Grow and Know, and find out more about the marriage, um, the marriage night. All right, if you have your Bibles, would you go with me over to 2 Samuel chapter 15? 2 Samuel chapter 15. And then while you guys are turning there, I'm so distracted by you guys um, sharing your vows because now I'm trying to remember what I said at my wedding. I remember it had something to do with, I don't know, I can't promise that I'll love you for the rest of my life, but I promise I will make you laugh for the rest of your life. It was something like that, so I don't know if those were good vows, but um, anyways. Oh, last thing about marriage. Real quick, okay, you don't have to do this, but it would be fun. Um, those of you planning to come tonight or on Friday evening, can you guys send us a picture from your wedding? Can, can you to, to just text me a picture from your wedding Anthony has a little surprise up his sleeve uh, for that evening. So if you guys have your wedding photo, we'd love to um, be able to use it on Friday evening. I'll just say that. So, But everything else is going to be a surprise. Okay, so anyways, um, 2 Samuel chapter 15. Let's read verses 13 and 14 together this morning. It says, Now, verse 13, a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with them at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for just allowing this time for us to come and to gather and to sit and to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that you would take, God, this passage here in 2 Samuel 15, and Lord, would you speak to our heart. God, you know what we need to hear this morning. Lord, you know the words of exhortation, the words of encouragement, the words of hope that are in this text, and I pray that those words Lord, that they would be conveyed by your Spirit to our hearts. That, Lord, we would be able to have something this morning that we can hold on to. Something that we'd be able to say, that's why I came. That's that's what I needed to hear. And so, God, we just, even in advance, Lord, we thank you. Because we know you're faithful and we know that you're going to speak. And so, God, we dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 
If you're taking notes this morning, you can title this morning's message, Discovering Who Your True Friends Are. We're going to spend our time together this morning discovering who our true friends are. Would you start with me in verse 13 this morning? It says, Now a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. If you weren't with us last week, David's son, Absalom, and one of David's closest friends, Ahithophel, they both have joined together to undermine David. You guys remember David is the king of Israel. He's on the throne. And yet these two men, these two men who David should have been able to trust more than any other two men, they've come together to betray David. And we're told here in verse 13 that they're stealing They're undermining, their betrayal is stealing the hearts of the men of Israel. Now, let me say this this morning. If you've ever been betrayed, if you've ever had someone come and undermine you, you know that it hurts. I can't imagine what David must have been feeling, not only to have his closest friend betray him, but to have his son betray him. I have a son. He's 12 years old. He's the little guy that you guys see running around with the hat every single Sunday. And a couple years ago, my son Nathan actually betrayed me. He was a little 10-year-old boy. And he did something that, man, it it cut to the heart. In fact, as a dad, he did something to me, this little 10-year-old boy that just completely devastated me. As you guys know, most of you know, I'm an L.A. boy, grown and, you know, grew up here, and and so obviously I'm a big sports fan. And so for me, I don't know why, but when it came time to choose my teams, for some reason, my heart went towards the underdogs. And so when I was little, you know, all my friends were Raider fans, and the rebellious side of me became a Ram fan. All my friends were Laker fans, you know, too easy. It would have been too easy to be a a Laker fan, and so I went Clippers. And then all my friends and my family and my dad and everybody else I know in L.A. became Dodger fans, and I decided to go Angels. And so this little 10-year-old boy that I've raised to be an Angel fan, I mean, I have a picture with Nathan in his little chubby cheeks at an angel game at three months old. I mean, I, I, I have this picture of him in the field, and there he is, and I, you know, I've bought him the Mike Trout jersey, and I've done everything that I can as a father to make sure that this little boy became an angel fan. And yet, there's a couple of men in my life who've done everything that they can to undermine that. They're Dodger fans. My pastor, Pastor Rob, that came for our dedication, ever since Nathan was little, he's been trying to pour, you know, throw those little Dodger thoughts into Nathan's mind, and I come and I swat him, you know, like I'm Dikembe Mutombo, and I'm just like, no, 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 not going to happen. He's going to be an angel fan. My father-in-law, Sergio, the guy outside with the vest, you know, he's coming, and my son, my, 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 my grandson, you're going to be a Dodger fan, you know, and taking him to games and trying to undermine me, and yet I'd come, and no, 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 that's not going to happen. Nathan is an angel fan. Well, a few years, a couple years ago, Nathan comes up to me, and he says to me with this really serious face, Dad, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, what, what, what do you want to talk about? He says, it, it's something that you're not going to like. And I said, it's okay. You know, daddy loves you. Well, what do you want to talk to me about? He said, well, I'm getting kind of older now. And I think it's time that I start making my own decisions. And I'm like, what is this boy about to tell me? He says, dad, I have to tell you, I love Mike Trout. He's my favorite player but I've decided that I'm not going to be an angel fan. And as a father who took his kids to, 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 took this kid to the game, and bothered, I mean, it hurt. It, it felt like betrayal. 
And I knew, or I thought I knew what was going to come next. I thought that he was going to say the words that I never, ever wanted my son to say. I thought he was going to say to me, Dad, I'm becoming a Dodger fan. Well, the good news is one of my younger brothers is a Yankee fan. And so to my surprise, my son looks at me and he says, but I'm not going to be a Dodger fan either. He said, I'm going to be a Yankee fan. And I thought to myself, I, 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 I don't like you, by the way. I, I don't even know you. It's your first time at church. I mean, I don't know if you're welcome back next week. I don't even know you, mister. But um, yeah, nice to meet you too, man. Okay, welcome to Coastline. Okay, but anyways, he says, I'm going to be a Yankee fan. But I'll be honest with you guys, for me, the fact that he was not a Dodger fan may put, you know, helped me a little bit, but still, I felt betrayed, especially by my son. Now, I know that my story of baseball betrayal doesn't measure up to our text this morning. You see, when it comes to David and the betrayal that he's going to face from his own son and from his closest friend, I, I, I can't imagine what must have been going through his mind. I can't imagine what David must have been feeling in his heart. So here in verse 13, David is made aware of the betrayal. And so it leads to a question this morning, what was David's response? Just like when Nathan said, hey dad, I'm going to be a Yankee fan, there had to be a response. What was David's response to his son coming and trying to take his throne. Would you go with me to verse 14? Keep reading. It says, So David said to all his servants who were with them at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And so David once he receives news of what his son is doing, David is forced to flee Jerusalem. He's forced to escape Absalom. At this period of time, David is somewhere around the age of 55 to 60 years old here in chapter 15. And in, and in his culture, a man that age was at the point in his life, especially if he was a man who was accomplished, where he would go and he would find a place to settle down and he would just kind of live out the rest of his days. You guys remember earlier on in David's life, David had fled when he was running from King Saul. But now at the age of 55, this is not the time for a man of his age and a man with his accomplishments to have to be on the run again. But unfortunately, this was not the course that David's life would be taking you see, in an instant, David is going to lose everything that he had spent the last 30 years working hard for. Absalom and Ahithophel had joined forces to not only remove David from the throne, but they've joined forces to remove David from this life. And the plan of these men seems to be working. The people of Israel who David had served for 30 years have now turned their back on David and they've instead chosen to follow Absalom. So here in verse 14, we see that David is forced to flee Jerusalem. And this is significant because David loved Jerusalem. David had done so much for this city and David had a heart for this city. In fact, you guys remember David had made Jerusalem the center for worship of the true and living God. He had established the tabernacle in the city, and he was the man responsible for bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city. But now he's forced to flee. He's forced out of the city. In fact, would you read the end of verse 14 with me again? It says, he's forced to flee lest Absalom overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And so David says, we have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. This city that I love, I have to get out, lest Absalom come in and not only take my life, 
but he also go around and start to take the lives of all those within the city who remain loyal to David. You see, everything in David's life has changed in an instant. His position's gone. His power's gone. Now his home is gone. Everything in David's life is about to feel very unfamiliar. But in the midst of this painful season, there will be one positive thing that comes out of David's life. Would you give me your eyes for a moment, church? David, during this season, this difficult season, he's going to find out who his true friends are. And he's going to find out, obviously, who were his fickle followers. Let me say this this morning. Even when we find ourselves in painful seasons, there are silver linings. There are those reasons for rejoicing. I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I go through those sort of moments, what I do is I tend to be that person who cowards, who goes and kind of puts his head in his bed and puts the pillow over his head and, and, and acts like, I don't want to think about anything. I don't want to deal. And anybody else like me? And anybody else like that where you just, you go and you, you just kind of hide? Yet the reality is when we find ourselves in those moments, in those seasons, there are still reasons to rejoice. And I'll tell you, you're not going to find them by putting a pillow over your head and hiding in your room and thinking to yourself, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. There are reasons for rejoicing. In fact, let me say it like this. If you really want to find something, no matter how difficult life is, you will find a reason to rejoice. And that's the moment that David finds himself in. Everything is falling apart. Nothing is going good. Betrayal has happened from every person who's close to him. And yet he's going to see this morning in our text that there are people who still love him. Even though his mind probably thought to himself, everyone's against me. He's going to find out that there are people who are still along his side, even though it probably felt like everyone had turned on him. There are silver linings. There are reasons to rejoice. One of the things David's going to find out is that his friends, who were they? Who were they? Who were the friends that were friends to David because he was a man of power and a man of influence? And who were the friends in his life who were simply friends of a man named David? You see, David is about to lose everything. He's about to become a man with no power, no position, no influence, simply a man named David. Yet one of the things we're going to see is he's a man with a few loyal friends. Let me say this this morning. When you're wealthy, it's hard to know who your true friends are. When you have power, it's hard to know who your true friends are. When you have influence, it's hard to know who your true friends are. And David here is finding out there's this very clear divide, this very clear line that's going to come into David's life. And we're going to see the fickle and we're going to see the friends. Real quick this morning, I mentioned one of the people that betrayed David was one of his closest friends a man by the name of Ahithophel. We're not going to get into his life. We talked about him a little bit at the end of last week's study. But I want to say one thing about Ahithophel real quick. Would you write this verse down? Psalm 41, verse 9. David talks about his friendship with Ahithophel. He says, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread has turned against me. And so as, as David's writing Psalm 41, he, he puts pen to paper. He, he voices through paper, through words, through writing, the heartache, the pain that he felt with this betrayal. He says, Ahithophel was my close friend. 
He wasn't someone who was an acquaintance, someone who I kind of knew casually. He was somebody that I let in. He was someone that I shared with. He says there in Psalm 41 verse 9, he's someone I trusted. And then he says this, he's someone who shared my bread. He's someone that I had at my table. He's someone that I sat across from and we shared a meal. I've mentioned to you guys in the past, but I'm going to share it again. In our culture, we have people over all the time. We're always sharing meals with different people, right? And so the significance, the value of sitting down with someone and sharing a meal with them might not mean the same to us here, 2021, as it did to David back then. For us, I mean, we're always hanging out with people. You know, I mean, for me, you know, we coach the Little League team, and so I'm out having pizza, you know, with people I barely know. We're sharing a meal. We're sharing bread. As people come to church, sometimes we have different families come over our house. We don't really know you guys yet, but we invite you in, and hopefully we get closer to you. Or sometimes you're at a meeting, and you're working with people, right? And it's like, well, you know, so-and-so is going to come over, and okay, let's go over and grab some fast food real quick, and, and, and we'll sit down real quick and talk and do the business deal. Whatever it is, we're always sharing bread with people. But in that culture, to actually have someone come to your table, for you to share bread with them, there usually would be some sort of dipping sauce in the middle of, ta- of the table. There'd be a whole loaf of bread. And that person would come to your table, you would break the bread, this is the idea, break the bread together, and you would dip in the same sauce. So it's kind of like Mexicans with chips and salsa, right? I mean, you'd go and you'd, go and you'd, you'd dip into the same, but the idea is you're going and you're dipping together. You're sharing from the same bowl together, from the same loaf together. He says, the man who's betrayed me, he was my friend, I trusted him, and I shared my bread with him. And he's turned against me. The friendship is over. The relationship, the partnership has turned. You see, when you have nothing, it's easy to see who your true friends are. They're the people that are standing beside you even when you have nothing to offer them. And David here sees, my power's gone, my position's gone. Who's still here? Who's still here? In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 4, the Bible says, Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. When a, when a man is rich, or when a man comes into wealth, there's all these people that now pop up in his life. He's getting text messages, he's getting invites, people want to be around him. But the moment that same man becomes poor, that moment the same, that that wealth is gone, the ones that weren't there as a true friend, according to the proverb here, they desert him. There's no more text message. There's no more phone call. There's no more invite. David is going to see who those true friends were. If you're taking notes this morning, let me give you a little bit of an outline for the rest of our text this morning. We're going to take a look at verses 15 through 25 during the remainder of our time together. And in verses 15 through 25, we're going to see specifically who these true friends are. If you're taking notes in verses 15 through 18 specifically, we're going to see that David has 600 loyal friends. So just when you start to feel sorry for him or poor David, we realize that David has 600 loyal friends. And then in verses 19 to 23, we're going to take a look at David's new friend in Jerusalem. There's a friend that David made one day earlier to this undermining and this betrayal, and we're going to take a look at that new friend. And then in verses 24 and 25, we're going to close this morning by taking a look at David's priestly friends. And so David had some friends over in the priesthood. So let's start 
verse 15 through 18, talking about David's loyal 600 friends. Would you start reading with me, verse 15? It says in verse 15, And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Verse 16, Then the king went out with all his household after him, but the king left ten women concubines to keep the house. And the king went out with all his people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Verse 18, Then all his servants passed before him, and all the Cherianites and all the Philophites and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. So verses 15 through 18, we see these men, these men who had been in David's life since the very beginning. These men, most of them had been with David since David was fleeing. And you guys remember when Saul was chasing him. These were men that, been, that were with David hiding in a cave, risking their lives to protect him. You could say that these 600 men were David's bodyguards over David's reign as king. These men were not a fickle crowd, but these men were loyal followers. One of the things I love about these men was that they probably knew the real David. And they were choosing to remain loyal to their friend. These were men who'd seen David in his high moments. These were men who'd seen David take the throne. These were also men who knew David when David had nothing, when he was simply the shepherd boy, the son of Jesse. These were men who had been in David's life for a very long time. And one of the things I love about them is that they were absolutely loyal to David. Because think about it, 30 years have now passed that David's been on the throne and David didn't always make the best decisions as king. There's a lot of faults that David had. One of the things we've talked about over the last few weeks was even David's parenting. Some of the choices that he made with his kids we know that David had a moment as a king where there was scandal. And yet these men remain loyal to David because they were true friends. Would you write this verse down? Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. I want to focus on that first phrase for a moment. A friend loves at all times. Even in the worst of moments, even when that friend is making some really bad decisions, they don't give up on them. I'll be honest with you guys, over the years, there have been moments where People have come and gone from my life. People have agreed with things, disagreed with things, very quick to leave. Just like all of us. Just like every single one of us, there are friends and then there are loyal friends. There are situational friends, seasonal friends, and then there are friends since, like David, since you were young. And they love at all times even when there's flaws, even when there's mistakes. These friends remain loyal. And as David is going through some of the hard, one of the most difficult moments of his life, notice the end of verse 17 there, Proverbs 17. It says, a brother is born for a time of adversity. And every once in a while, God will send someone into your life and the friendship goes beyond friendship. And that person becomes a brother. That person becomes family. And when life gets hard, that person is there. They don't run. They don't flee. They don't say, man, this is getting a little too messy. They stick it out. They become family for times of adversity. Let me say this this morning. 
I pray that every single one of us in here has at least a couple of these people in their life. I pray that each of us would allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough that someone can come in and become not only a friend, but a brother, a sister, someone who's closer in some situations than family, because there are going to be moments of adversity. There are going to be moments where we need to flee. There's going to be moments where we need to run. There's going to be moments where the other friends undermine, the other friends betray, where you're backstabbed, talked about, manipulated, whatever it is, where people come along and you have your handful. Those couple of people that God has brought along the way. If you don't have those people, open it up. Take your heart, open it up. Take your life, open it up. Take your home, open up the door and let some people in. Some of us are so scared of being hurt because maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we've had an Absalom. Maybe we've had an Ahithophel in our life. And so we're done with people. We're done with opening it. But when adversity comes, I pray you have a brother. I pray you have a sister. I pray that God gives you someone that feels like family. Even though this probably felt that this was as bad as life gets, David had 600 men in his corner. In fact, go back with me to verse 15 real quick. I want you guys to notice what they say to David. They say in verse 15, we are your servants ready to do whatever my Lord the King commands. David, we're here. Are you guys sticking around? David, we're not going anywhere. Guys, are you, are, you haven't gone off with my son with the Hithophel? No, David, we're in your corner. We're ready to do whatever you command. One of the, thing, one of the things I think is important in verse 15 is that they still recognized the man that God placed on the throne. They're not recognizing the man that placed himself on the throne as their king. They're looking at the situation. They're saying, hey, wait, we got two kings. We have David, who God put there, and we have Absalom, who's put himself there. David, we want you to know that we recognize the man that God put on the throne, not the man who's put himself there. These men did not follow the crowd in following Absalom. Number two this morning, second section we're going to focus on is verses 19 through 23, where we're going to read about this man that just came into David's life. He was a new friend. But what we're going to see this morning was he was a loyal man, and his name was Ittai. It says in verse 19, Then the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, Why are you also, or why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. If you have your pen, pencil, underline that, that's important. He came only yesterday. Verse 20, should I make you wander up and down with us today since I go? I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. And so we have this man, we're going to call him I, because he has a very difficult name. Mr. I, here in our text. Apparently this man had problems in his home country. And David offered for this man to leave his country and to come to Jerusalem and escape those problems. Essentially, what David was doing was David was offering him a better life there in Jerusalem. And so this man, he goes, he takes David up on his offer. He comes to Jerusalem. And yet after one day of being in Jerusalem, everything changes. The man, David, who invited him, the king who welcomed him into Jerusalem, is no longer the king. 
This man who welcomed him, who had the power to say, hey, come to my country, no longer has that power. Everything has changed in one day. And so David makes his way back to this man and he says, hey, you've only been here a day. Yesterday, I was the man, I was the king, I had power. Today, man, I have all this drama and I have to run, I have to flee. Mr. I, listen, go back to your country. Sorry for getting you involved. I'm sorry you've been brought into all this drama. Now keep reading with me, verse 21. Take a look at this man's response. This man who only known David for one day. It says, verse 21, but Ittai answered the king and said, as the Lord lives and as my Lord, the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord, the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. Even though this friendship had only existed for one day, the impact of David's kindness had turned this man into a true friend. It got me thinking about the impact of spending one day with someone. I'm pretty sure most of us have had this experience, right? Where you've gone somewhere, you've met someone, You've had the chance to hang out with someone for only one day, one, one interaction, one moment, and it shapes your life. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you know, you go and you meet someone, and you might only be with this person for one day, but then it completely changes who you are because you've made a true friend. The fact that David showed kindness to a foreigner a foreigner having problems in his land, I'll tell you that one day of kindness got David a friend. That one day of loving someone got David a friend. That one day of letting the Lord use him in this man's life earned David a friend for life. Now, I want to stop here for a minute because I think it's important it's important for us to look at this from the perspective of, yes, we can go back to the loyal followers and talk about opening up our lives and letting people in. But I also believe it's important that we go about our day, go about our lives, and that we become intentional. That we become very intentional about letting the Lord use us in someone else's life. You see, that's what happened with David. One day of kindness, that, that's all it was. It wasn't like, man, we have this lifelong friendship or back when we were kids, we used to do this and that. And now he's, no, no, one day, one day, one day can impact someone else. This man says to David, and I want you guys to notice this because I think it's crazy. Go back with me to verse 21. This man says, Where, whether in death or life, whether in death or life, David, you're my friend. It's only been one day, but I'm willing to, if this means me dying for you or dying to be your friend, David, I'm willing to die. I mean, those words are crazy because some of us have friends for 20 years and we, we still ain't going to die for them. But this guy's like, man, after one day, I'm willing to die for you. Lay down my life for you. It reminds me of the words of Jesus in John chapter 15. You guys know the text, verses 12 and 13. He says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Obviously, Jesus was talking about his own life that he'd soon lay down for his friends. But Jesus also made it clear that we are to love each other in that same way. That friendship is to look like laying down your life. And this man looks at David and he says, David, you're my friend and I'm willing to die for you. 
I'm following you. David, you opened up your city, your country to me. What type of man would I be to leave you in your time of adversity? And so keep reading verse 22. It says, so David said to this man, go and cross over. Then the man and all his men and all the little ones who were with them crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the book of Kidron and all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. You see, these, this men, he wasn't just one individual. He was a man with a home, with his own family, with other followers who were his men, and then also their little ones. Every single one of them, this decision, this decision was being made for everyone. And this man says, not only am I willing to lay down my life for you, but I'm also willing to have my men and all my little ones, my entire household come and we're going to follow you. And it says, one by one, they crossed over, they passed by David, and they said, David, lead. David, follow. These men, this one man, because of one day, chose to follow David. Now, lastly, number three, if you guys are taking notes, there's a third friendship that we're going to talk about in verses 24 and 25, where we read about priests who were loyal friends to David. In verse 24, it says, There was Zadok also, and all the priests, or all the Levites with them, bearing the ark of the covenant of God, and they set down the ark of God. And Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Verse 25, Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back to the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. So here in verses 24 and 25, we have two men who are priests. The, the, the first man that's mentioned there in verse 24 is a man by the name of Zadok. Zadok was the high priest during David's reign. He was the man that David had entrusted the spiritual well-being of the nation to. And so there he was, time of adversity, everything's about to be turned upside down, and yet the most spiritual man, you could say, in the nation says, I'm not going with Absalom. I'm sticking with David. It's important that we have godly leaders in our life. Godly leaders. For David, it was his high priest who says, David, lead. David, you flee, we flee with you. Not only himself, but all the Levites. They go, they follow him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have spiritual leaders in your life? People who the Lord has placed strategically over you to pour into you, to bless you, to counsel you, to encourage you, to sharpen you, to challenge you, to teach you the word of God. Do you have those type of godly leaders in your life? If the answer is yes, then I would say hold on to them. If the answer is no, then go out, make yourself vulnerable, and find some. Find some. For David, it was so important that he had this man in his life. But let me also say this. I believe that David also blessed the high priest. Remember, the king before David was Saul. Saul was not a very godly man. Saul had no relationship with God. And so David, over those 30 years, must have done something that stood out to the high priest, that the high priest is willing to say, I'm willing to risk my life and follow you, David. You see, the spiritual climate of the nation, the spiritual presence coming now from the throne in the transition from Saul to David must have been something where this man said, David, I got your back. I'll follow. 
Uh, but, but let me also say this. There must have been something about Absalom, that this man saw Absalom and saw no relationship with God, no godly character. And the high priest goes and says, I won't follow that man. He's not the type of leader that this nation needs. You see, even the high priest, he knew that Israel needed a man like David. He needed a man who had a heart for God. There's a second name that I want to focus on, and this will kind of be where we're going to finish this morning. Notice in verse 24, there's a second name. It starts with an A. It says Abiathar. Abiathar. Now, this man's kind of interesting, Abiathar. He was the son of the previous high priest, um, Ahimelech. Let me remind you guys of a story real quick. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, you guys remember David was fleeing from Saul, and he finds himself at a place called Nob. And when he gets to Nob, he goes and he finds himself with all the priests. You guys remember there was a, um, 75 or was 75 or 85 I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to know this, but there, there, there was something, there, there was a large amount of men, let's say between 75 and 85, that there are all these priests, and David goes and he finds refuge with the priests there at Nob. And you guys remember that David requests um, loaves of bread. David was hungry, he's on the run, he has crazy Saul chasing him, and Abimelech, or Himelech, he goes and he helps David. He feeds David. Well, word gets back to Saul that the priests, remember, were helping hide David. And in fact, there was this one guy, you guys remember the name Doeg the Edomite? You guys remember him? He goes, he overhears, and he reports to Saul, hey, the priests are helping David. They're helping him flee, that they're feeding him. In fact, you guys remember, they even, he even told them, hey, they even, he, they, um, they've given him um, Goliath's sword. And so Saul comes there to Nob. He sees all the priests. He starts to question them. And remember, he goes and he tells his men who are alongside him, go and take out all the priests. Well, all of Saul's men, I, I guess they were God-fearing because they're like, we're not going to touch the priests. We're not going to kill the priests. And so Doeg comes back into the picture, back into the story. He says, okay, if your men aren't going to kill the priests, I'll go and kill the priests. And he goes and he kills all of God's men, all the priests. There was one man that survived that massacre. It was this man. He lost his family. He lost his dad. Everyone gone except for this one man, this one survivor. It's the same man here in our text. Verse 24, Abithathar. The reason I share this with you guys this morning is this. This man, he had served under an ungodly leader. And so he must have seen the type of man that Saul was. He had seen the type of character that Saul had when he was the one on the throne. And then all of a sudden, David comes David is, is, is a different kind of leader. Different has, David has a different kind of character. And now this man is one of the priests there in Israel. And when it comes time for him to turn his back on David, he says, I can't. I can't turn my back on David. You see, I've served under someone like Saul. And I'm not about to serve under someone like Absalom. And so he remained loyal to David. Let me say this this morning. If God has made you a leader that loves the Lord, people are attracted to that. Give me your eyes for a moment, church. Whether it's in a church capacity or whether it's in a business capacity, whether it's in your home or in your community, your neighborhood, wherever it is that God has placed you as a leader, let me remind you that people are attracted to godliness. People are attracted to humility. There's something, when there's something different about you and the Lord has touched your life and the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, there's something about you. Oh, their flesh isn't attracted to you, but there's that part of them where they're drawn to, there's something different about you. 
And this man, he had seen what different looked like. And he's like, I'm not going back to that type of different. I'm sticking with the man who loves the Lord. I'm sticking with a godly leader. Now, as we finish this morning, there's one more friend that I want to talk about in closing. Would you go with me over to Psalm 3? And so we saw David's 600 loyal men. We, see, we saw the man that David met after only one day, and this man became a loyal friend. And then we saw the priestly leaders, the spiritual leaders who were loyal, true friends to David. But this morning, I want to close by taking a look at the obvious friend that David had in his life. Take a look at Psalm 3 with me. It says in verse 1, Lord, how many, fo- or how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I awake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. There was one more friend that David had in his life, and obviously that friend was the Lord. It's interesting when we go through difficult times how quickly we forget the Lord, how quickly his, his presence in our life escapes our mind. Something happens, we try to fix it on our own. Something happens, we try to find the one person in our life who's who's scary, you know, and and make sure that they have our back or, you know, or that one person, oh, who who owns a gun that I know, I need to find them, you know, whatever it is, or who can fight or or who got the most tattoos, that's the guy that I want when this goes down or whatever it is, that's the first thing our mind thinks of. And we quickly forget that the Lord's our friend and that the Lord fights for us. Psalm 3 here is the psalm word that David pens when he's fleeing from Absalom. When it felt like he had no one. Or when he's looking around like, okay, I got this one guy I met yesterday. I got these guys with some robes on and I got 600 men and this is it. He's reminded, Lord, you're still there. Lord, you're still my friend, right? Because I have enemies all around me. Everywhere I look, everything I hear, all the words that are coming back to me, I have foes. I don't have my home. I don't have my kingdom. I don't have my throne. I don't have my power. I don't have my influence. I don't have anything going on. But Lord, are you still there? Are you still there? And obviously we know the rest of the psalm. The Lord is there. The Lord's his shield. The Lord's his protector. You guys can close your Bibles. We're done this morning. But let me finish with this thought. This morning, if you're here and you're going through something and it feels like many have risen up against you, or maybe it might not actually be actual people, foes, but maybe it's spiritual warfare, spiritual attack. Maybe it's the enemy that's been attacking you. And you've been wondering who's here, who's going to deliver me, who's going to save me. I want to remind you that the Lord never leaves you nor forsakes you. The Lord is that ever-present help in time of need. The Lord's your shield. When you call out to him, he answers. And my prayer this morning is that we would walk away, that we would leave this morning with so much hope. If you walked in this morning saying, I don't know what to do, where to turn, who to turn to, turn to the Lord. He's your ever-present help in time of need. So if you're in need right now, he's there to help. If there's a battle right now, he's there to help. He's there to help. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you for this time that you've given to us to be able to sit and receive from you and look to your word on what a true friend is. Lord, thank you that in our text this morning, you surrounded David with loyal friends. 
Thank you that you, because of David's influence, even allowed David to make a new friend. Lord, thank you that you place within David's life spiritual leaders, spiritual friends. And Lord, thank you that you also place within David's life your presence. You're his forever friend. You're his help in time of need. You're his shield, his protector, his provider. And Lord, all the things that were true and are true about David, those same things are true about us and you. Lord, if we're lacking friends, Lord, I pray that we would make the effort, that we would reach out, that we would seek to surround ourselves with people who love you. Lord, if there's an area lacking in our life for spiritual leadership, I pray that we would reach out and say, hey, mentor me, disciple me, pray for me, keep me accountable. Lord, I pray this morning if we've forgotten about your presence, Lord, if our problems have become too big to where we've forgotten you, I pray this morning that we would remember that you're for us, that we remember that you are our present help in time of need. Whatever we need right now, Lord, you're there. And so God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can sit, Lord, and receive your promises. God, we thank you that we can sit and receive truth from your word. And so God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. I pray that something, something that was talked about this morning, something that was said, I pray that it would be something that we can hold on to. I pray that there was something in there that we needed to hear. And so, Lord, we thank you and love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand. And let's sing this last song to the Lord this morning.